Today, we're going to be looking at the third value, uh, which is stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. When I think about standing in the gap, sort of our official statement is, look, Christ had eyes. He looked for those who were marginalized, and therefore we illuminate Christ to those who, and advocate for those who are alienated, neglected, or overlooked. So we believe it's a value, it's a conviction of who we are and what we believe God is making us to become is that we will be a people who stand in the gap for those who are neglected or overlooked. As I was thinking about this value, I could not help but think of a guy that I met when I was in seminary up in Fort Worth. Uh, Probably during my second year of school in seminary, um, I decided I needed to get some more experience preaching. And so I got connected through a few network people to a guy who was running a ministry for the homeless there in Fort Worth. And they needed someone to come and preach every day or every Wednesday at lunch uh, for the the crowd of men that were coming uh, for the meal. It was one of those deals where you've got to hear Jesus and then you can get something to eat. So not always the most enthused crowd, I'll just put it that way. But the guy who was running this ministry, who started this ministry, still amazes me to this day because when I met him, I walked in and he was sitting down and you you wouldn't have known there was anything going on with him. But after talking with him, you discover that he was increasingly and rapidly going blind. And he told me that he realized he got the diagnosis probably two or three years earlier from my meeting him that it would only be a matter of time until he was completely blind. And what he decided was important to him, this is so amazing to me, is he said, I have two to three years to read the Scriptures. And so he spent day after day reading the Scriptures so that when he would no longer be able to see them, he would know them. And even in the midst of his own struggle, he looked around his city and saw those who were being neglected and overlooked and decided to stand in the gap. And he preached every day, but realized he needed some help. And so that was where I got the opportunity to come and just give him relief as he was walking through this. And that's where I sort of learned honestly, in a very real way, what it meant to stand in the gap with ministry. I mentioned it's not always the most enthused crowd. Sometimes the guys would legitimately walk in and lay down on a pew to start a quick nap because they just had to be there for the 30 minutes until it was mealtime. But I'll never forget, I mean, I was so naive and maybe still am in so many ways, but I would ask at the beginning, because it was sort of informal, might be 30, 40 guys at a time, and I would ask for prayer requests at the start, and I was so naive. I, I had grown up in, in church in a Christian home, and most of the prayer requests growing up in Sunday school my entire life were things like, my cat's sick, grandma, you know, they call it the organ recital, heart, liver, kidney, lung, you know, pray for, which all, all of that is very important. But when I started asking those guys for prayer requests, I will never forget 
so naive, going, hey, anybody got any prayer requests? And the guy said, yeah, I just took a test to find out if I have any STDs. Could we pray that that comes back clean? And another guy's like, I just took that test. And I'm like, I am unprepared for this. <laughs> but the reality is this. Those who are overlooked and neglected are the exact people that Jesus ran to to bring them the hope of the gospel. And can I tell you that some of the most encouraging men in the early days of me learning how to preach were homeless guys that would come. And when they started coming week after week and reading ahead, knowing because I would be working through like a book of the Bible, and they would come in and say, hey, I read Jonah chapter 4 today. That impacted me incredibly. And so we want to be a church that God is making us that we are not part of those overlooking, but that we are those who are standing in the gap. And so with that, this is going to be a little bit different as we walk through a couple of verses this morning. But I want to start with James chapter 1, verse 27. I'll actually start in verse 26. It says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is is worthless in verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. As we look at this third value, stand in the gap, we value standing in the gap for others because, number one, standing in the gap expresses pure Religion expresses pure religion. Now, let me explain that because for some, I understand that the use of the word religion causes us to, to get on edge. What are we talking about? But James says pure or true religion is this. I've been saying all along, rules do not bring us from death to life. It is relationship. And that's where we often have this it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And that is 100% true. But the way James uses the word religion is simply this, not as a bad word, but as a word of saying, when we are expressing God's ways for us rightly, it looks like this. He says, pure religion is visiting orphans and widows and keeping yourself unstained from the world. The verse right before that, not bridling the tongue, your religion is worthless. So in the book of James, this is just, just to help set the context, these first couple of chapters, he's trying to establish a principle. We might say it like this. You've got to be able to say that you put your money where your mouth is. He's saying we can say a lot of things but you show me a faith that is active and I'll show it expressed by works. He's not contradicting Paul that faith comes by grace or salvation comes by grace through faith, not by works. He's saying it's two sides of the same coin. You enter by relationship and once you have been saved, you are saved in a way that changes you to express to God a pure religion. 
And so he is going to walk through and say, your tongue can be deceptive. It can set people on fire. It should not be this way. But we also can't be just hearers of the word. We have to put it into action. And so what he is saying is simply this. If you don't want to have worthless faith, put it into action. And one of the ways we put it into action is looking and advocated, advocating for those who are the most vulnerable. The reason he highlights widows and orphans here is because in that day there were no more vulnerable people than women who no longer had their husband. I mean, they, they were limited in their economic resources at that time. And so if they were past the age of marrying and past the age of having children and they were widowed, they were dependent on the kindness of others through no fault of their own. And to be a child was to be incredibly vulnerable. Um, there were no labor laws. There was no mandatory schooling. It was just survive as a kid. And ultimately today, even though we have some of these so-called protections, our children are still some of the most vulnerable people in our society. And especially those who do not have mom or dad or a family who is taking care of them. An orphan is just some, a child who is untethered, trying to figure things out at five, six or younger or older. And James says, you want to know what honors God? Stand in the gap for those who are overlooked, neglected, and vulnerable. And keep yourself unstained from the world. Meaning the sins and the attitudes, the, the attitude that would push to the fringes widows and orphans and these who are overlooked. And so the truth here is this. If we are standing in the gap, expresses a pure religion, we illuminate the light of Christ by ministering to the vulnerable and alienated in our world. I think about several years ago, um, some of you may remember, we had uh, Compassion International come, and they actually set up an exhibit where you could come through and sort of experience the life of a child uh, who was a part of a Compassion uh, ministry, and we made a big push. And many of you, uh, uh, you know, sponsored children, and maybe still do. I, I know we are still uh, connected to Compassion. And we get letters from our Compassion child. Uh, her name is uh, Grace. And, and I, as I was thinking about standing in the gap for widows and orphans, it's not always orphans with Compassion, but it is those in great need. And I just went and thought, let me look up some stories from Compassion. I was struck by, and you can go find these stories just on the Compassion website. But there was a, a young girl named Maureen who lived in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And she was hungry every day. They, they only um, were able to get $10 a month as a family. Her dad was able to get $10 a month, and their rent was $6 a month. So they had $4 a month to eat and whatever else needed to be taken care of. They, they didn't go to the doctor because they couldn't afford it. They would beg. Um, this young girl, Maureen, was nicknamed in her area, Hyena, 
And the reason they nicknamed her hyena is because she would go up without any shame to anyone she saw eating and beg for food. And she said that she hated life, hated God, and said that it would, she felt like it would be best if her family would just die until a church, part of the Compassion Network, sponsored one of someone in her family. And they would come and they would start to eat. And it was just a meal ticket at first, she said. And then all of a sudden she realized there was hope. This thing called hope in Christ. And through the ministry of those standing in the gap for those types of families, she was awakened from death and thinking death was the best option to life in Christ. Someone sponsored her all the way through. She ended up going through the compassion leadership training, got some university credit, and then went back to her area in Kenya and stood in the gap for pregnant women starting a ministry for them. And she now states that I love them until they love Jesus back. Standing in the gap is not a passive endeavor. Standing in the gap is pure religion as we who are alive in Christ put faith to action. So let me give you a test case. Number two here in the outline, again, I told you we'd be uh, hopping around a little bit. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, Standing in the gap has a biblical precedence. If you're taking notes, standing in the gap has biblical precedence. So as James says this, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I'd like to read that as well. Many of you may know this story. It says this, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So we often think of this as uh, what may be the beginning of the deacon. It, it, actually, the word deacon does not actually appear in this text. Whether you believe that is where the deacon started or not, you know, Paul clearly later delineates that we need deacons and, and elders. But what I'd like to look at is simply this. The church was growing. An issue arose. And if you noticed, uh, depending on your translation, a group of people in the church said, there is a group of widows in our fellowship that are being either neglected or overlooked, depending on your translation. Now, what was happening is this. There were Greek-speaking Jews in the early church, and then there were 
Hebrew-speaking Jews in the early church. And as you can imagine, there were some probably language barriers and maybe some looked a little bit more traditionally Jewish in practice and others had sort of lived in a Greek lifestyle but were still Jews. But either way, they had all come under the banner of Christ in this church and they were doing a daily distribution. Many scholars believe what, what that looked like was either food every day for those who needed it, like the widows in the community, or the giving out once a week of money because those were also Jewish practices enough for the entire week. And what they came to understand was this. When y'all are giving out the daily distribution, some are getting taken care of and some are not. There's a group being neglected that are vulnerable and overlooked. And so the 12, the, the, the 11 disciples plus uh, Matthias, who was taking Judas Iscariot's spot, they get together and say, look, essentially, we know our role and our place in this body. We are instructed to teach the word and for prayer and leadership of ministry. But we hear you. We see what you're seeing. There is a problem. There is a group. Someone needs to stand in the gap. And they say, we need to choose seven men to deal with this. But they need to have the Holy Spirit and be full of wisdom. We, we don't need just anybody. We're not just looking for warm bodies. We need seven of our best to step up. And to stand in the gap for these ladies. And the church said, this is good to us. And they chose seven. And part of this, understand, part of the connection in the entire book of Acts is this movement of the gospel, as Jesus said, you know, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the world, right? It's, it's this growing circle of the gospel moving out. And right now, it's still just in Jerusalem. But there's a need. Someone needs to stand in the gap. And seven men, based on their names, we believe they were also Hellenistic Jews. And so they're saying, it's our people that are standing, that are being neglected. We will stand in the gap and work together with the others to make sure this is taken care of. Now, you may have noticed or you may know part of the story, but two of these gentlemen who did not find it beneath them to stand in the gap and serve these widows were integral parts of taking the gospel. Stephen was martyred, and the entire movement outside of Jerusalem begins. Philip, the second in the list, goes, and he is one of the first to go to the Ethiopian eunuch as a symbol of it going to the ends of the earth. These were not just low-level, low-skill, not-a-lot-to-offer guys that just, hey, can you take care of these widows? These are some of the brightest and best. What I love about this process is this. An overlooked group is identified. Individuals in the church step up. And then the influence of the gospel increased. If you look at verse 7, after these men take, take responsibility for making sure that the distribution is even and that the overlooked and neglected group is taken care of, the Scripture says that the gospel increased. 
Harmony Hill, I, I, I just want to be honest. If this is really going to be a value that is not just lip service for our church, if this, this value of stand in the gap is going to be pure religion, faith in action, when God reveals an overlooked group to us as leaders, we're going to have to have church people step up. If we don't have individuals in our faith step up and rise to the occasion that there is nothing beneath a one of us, but it is part of our being part of the body of Christ, then this becomes a true value and conviction for our church. And I believe that when we identify the overlooked and when church believers step up, the gospel will increase. And again, our entire mission for why we exist, awakening people from death to life in Christ. And so this is the precedence. And then let me give you number three, sort of a warning, if you will. I'm going to jump backwards into the Old Testament, into the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. If you were to begin, the entirety of chapter 22 is the Lord giving woes or, or cries of judgment on the people. And then when you get, it's three series in this chapter. And beginning in verse 23, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel to proclaim to the people. And this is, what, this is what Ezekiel has to proclaim. He says, the prophets, the prophets are wicked. He says, the princes or the nobility, those in charge of the rules and government are wicked. He says, the priests are wicked. And he says, the people are wicked. He's basically laying out, all y'all, wicked. <laughs> if he was to give it a little southern twang, it, we, could, we could take 20, you know, seven, eight verses and just bring it down real close. All y'all, wicked. And then in verse 30, it says this. This is from the Lord. He says, and I sought, this is so devastating, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach or stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. It's devastating. It's almost a reminder of Abraham when dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Abraham going back and forth with God. If, if I find X number of people that are, are living right, God, will you spare it? And then he sort of looks back down. And he, but God, what if it was half of that number? God, what if there were ten? I mean, it's sort of this idea of God is looking for who will stand in the breach. And the idea here is, remember, cities to be fortified had a wall. And if there was a hole in the wall, enemies could come in. And they needed someone to stand in the breach to keep the enemy at bay. Who would be brave enough? Who would stand in the gap? But there was none. And so what happened is, in verse 
31 is that the judgment of the Lord came in on them because there was no one. Here is some good news, and this is the note here, the truth. Ultimately, Christ stood in the gap for all people, and we follow his example. At the end of the day, the wall of our city, sin was running rampant, and none of us could stand, none of us were willing, none of us were worthy to stand in that gap, but Jesus stood in the gap to prevent judgment. And he took all the judgment and fought off every enemy. And he simply asked if we want to have pure religion, that we would too stand in the gap for others. That we would love people enough to teach them about who Jesus is, what he's done for them, so that they too may not suffer righteous judgment for their sin. Christ stood in the gap and we should as well. This is so devastating to me that no one was found. Remember back in James chapter 1, 27, pure religion, first advocating and standing in the gap for the vulnerable, widows and orphans. But the second part was be unstained from the world. And Ezekiel comes in and says, you're all stained. <laughs> Therefore, no one's standing in the gap. And in fact, just to make the total tie together, if you were to go back into those verses before verse 30 that I just read, you would discover that some of the wickedness were making people widows. He, he specifically calls out, you are making widows by your wickedness. As the church of Christ, we dare not be stained by the world and causing those to be vulnerable and neglected, but yet we express a pure religion that looks out and advocates for the vulnerable. We stand in the gap while we remain unstained from the world. This is a heavy topic. Um, I'm reminded of a commercial that I saw uh, several years ago. I believe it was for the U.S. Marines. And when I did a Google search, I believe it was called Battle Up, if you happen to want to look at it later. Marines Battle Up. And, and what it started with was a young girl, uh, probably middle school, elementary age, walking down a hallway. And as she comes to a stairwell, she looks to the right, and there's a young girl being bullied. And so she immediately jumps in and breaks it up. And then that sort of morphs into some sort of rugby, morphs into Marines training, and then fighting for, and then afterwards, the very last scene is from the battlefield, it morphs into her bringing clothing or food or something like that to, uh, to a homeless camp. And the idea was a call to be a Marine, someone who stands in the gap, probably more uh, appropriately, who will fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. And I think it's such a beautiful picture because we all know what it's like on some level to either see someone be bullied, to be bullied, and wishing someone would stand in the gap for us. And there are people all around us, locally, nationally, internationally, who are waiting for believers to stand in the gap for them, like Maureen, who will love them until they can love Jesus back.
I'm so thankful. The result um, is this. We want to empower. This value results in us wanting to empower our members to stand in the gap for the vulnerable and the alienated. And the reason I say that I'm thankful for that is because we already have a number of partnerships. Are there areas where we can grow? Absolutely. But there are already partnerships where you can engage and step up. And I promise every one of these partnerships is probably desperate for people, for God's people to step up. The Mosaic Center. We partner with the Mosaic Center. Um, we have many of you who are uh, a president or on the board or a mentor for the Mosaic Center for these women who are waiting for someone to stand in the gap for them. For the Christian Men's Job Corps, trying to help men get a hand up, not a handout in training. And I've actually heard many of you that have taught some of the classes or been a mentor. The Pregnancy Help Center right here in town, the Crisis Pregnancy Help Center. It's a critical area for mentoring. I heard just this week from one of our men's ministry leaders that they're looking for men to help be mentors to the men associated to those coming to the Pregnancy Help Center, not to mention the women themselves as they come and need someone to stand in the gap. There's a ministry, Seasons of Hope, that is ministering to women coming out of prison or, or drugs or difficult seasons of life. Love, Inc., uh, we partner with them for poverty. Coston Elementary, um, if I'm not mistaken, years ago uh, when Pastor Ben was the missions pastor, they went to the school board and said, where's the school that needs the most help? And they directed us to Coston. And now, thankfully, Coston, their PTA, P, yeah, PTA is growing and there's a positive test scores are up because we've been praying tutoring, et cetera. There are opportunities right now with Coston. There are advocacy teams for our missions, those who we have sent out to unreached people groups, those who need someone to stand in the gap because they do not have access to the gospel. And we love sending, but we also want to support those who are sent with our advocacy teams who keep up with our missionaries and our sent ones. We have a number of people in this congregation who are an active part of prison and juvenile detention ministry. Um, if you come through that door over here, uh, typically on Sundays, Mr. Larry Caples and Ms. Donna and a, and a host of others, uh, but I hear from them pretty regularly, they're, they're seeing students in juvenile detention come to Christ and they've baptized uh, four or five already this year, if not more. I may be forgetting some. But they are standing in the gap, and I, Dan Johnson, who is a chief advocate for our prison ministries, I know that they would be interested in talking with you if that connected with you. Our Resonate um, partnership in the Northwest where it is becoming not just unchurched, it's, it's, it's no knowledge, it's no desire, but they're planting churches on college campuses in an unre a growing unreached area. At two years ago at their conference, uh, Keith Weezer stood up and said, we are in a post-Christian region of the country. And they are standing in the gap. There are so many ways that we can stand in the gap for those around us. And I just want to encourage us. This is a heavy topic because the needs are great. And as we identify areas that we can help, who will step up so that the gospel will increase?
This is a core value, a key conviction for Harmony Hill moving forward. One of the ways that we do this internally, those are some external stand in the gaps. Some internal stand in the gaps are our deacon ministry is actually seeking to care and take better care of our widows and widowers. Our action ministry is looking at a group of of families that have children with special needs and saying, how can we stand in the gap? And I will say that that is an exact example of someone seeing a need, people stepping up, and the gospel increasing because that ministry continues to grow. And also, when we look around, if you're a part of a life group and someone's going through a challenge, we stand in the gap with them. We are willing to stand in the breach. I'm going to... I'm going to close in prayer. But I just want to thank you. I've sort of ended on a heavy note, but I just also want to thank you. Because this is, we're not at ground zero with this. But the reality is, is as that Acts 6 passage, as the numbers were increasing, as the gospel was growing, there became these gaps that needed to be covered. And as God continues to bring people to the to the hill. Part of that is the infrastructure has to grow with it or it will drop back. And so this is really a clarion call, if you will, for those who are willing to stand in the gap. And if you need a place to serve internally, externally, then I would encourage you to go see someone at the next step desk or to call the church office and speak to someone, Pastor Ross and others. I'm going to pray for us. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I am thankful that we are a church that values standing in the gap. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're so good that you sent Jesus to stand in the gap for us. Lord, we are wicked. We are sinners. But Christ stood in the gap to prevent judgment for those who place their faith in Christ. And Lord, as we are those that have come to life in Christ, Father, help us to emulate your action, to see the overlooked, to have a heart for the neglected. Lord, that we would stand in the gap, that we would express pure religion, pure faith in action by standing in the gap for others and being unstained by the world. Father, I pray that this message from your word would resonate with us over the course of this week and it would lead us to obedience. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.